Well, the LSU Tigers fall to Florida State 45-24 in week one of the 2023 season. Where does this team go from here? You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked and LSU your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube as well. Locked on LSU on YouTube. First, I got to let you all know that today's edition of Locked and LSU is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. So LSU falls to Florida State 45-24 to in a butt-whooping of epic proportions that I did not expect. I don't think Florida State fans even expected that. Maybe they did, and if they did, then good for them because their team was the better team on Sunday night. Their coach was the better coach on Sunday night. And it was such a frustrating, frustrating game to watch as an LSU fan of just here we go again, uh, deja vu all over again. Now look, LSU played a, a solid game in the first half, up 17-14 going into the half. I thought, you know, the first couple of scripted plays, I thought they looked great. I thought that offense was cooking. You know, the first couple of plays, you know, uh, to Trey Bradford for a 40-yard gain, I, I, I was like, okay, all right, they're moving downfield. This offense looks like a well-oiled machine. This offense looks improved like we were promised that they would like we all assumed that it would be you get into the red zone florida state hands you a gift of a fresh set of downs you've got six tries to punch it in in the red zone and you can't capitalize i mean that's just it's it's frustrating and that and from that moment on i thought okay then this is going to be a little bit more uncomfortable than we thought it was going to be. And look, I didn't I didn't really have a problem with the fourth and one call initially, the first one, because I thought, look, you know, you got to risk it to get the biscuit, even when it doesn't work. Like LSU beat Alabama because Brian Kelly was aggressive and going for two. And it worked. And we liked Brian Kelly being aggressive there. Big blank Brian, if you will. You can't get mad at him when it doesn't work. I didn't I didn't mind the fourth and one call there. You know, but really, since, you know, coming back from the half, it just it looked like a different team. You know, Florida State was dropping passes, the penalties. I mean, Florida State in the first half was giving you so many opportunities to run away with the football game, and you just didn't take it. I mean, I don't remember exactly what the penalty differential was going into the half, but it was like Florida State, six penalties for 70, 80-something yards to your one penalty for 15 on that one DPI from Deuce Chestnut. Maybe that was in the second half. I don't remember which, which half it was. But really, overall, the penalty differential, specifically in the first half, I mean, you were given gifts. You were given opportunity after opportunity, and you couldn't capitalize on it. I mean, LSU was in the red zone five 
times. And they got 17 points out of it. That is not good enough. But you come back in the second half, and I think, okay, you know, you go in at the half. You're up 17-14. There are things that look shaky. um, But overall, you're able to stop Florida State's run game. Overall, Florida State's receivers are having a, a, a tough time catching passes. Overall, your bread and butter of running the football in short check down passes or short curl routes, that's working for you. Just capitalize on the opportunities, you know, get this team remotivated for the second half and continue to make things difficult for Florida State and stop making things difficult for you. But that wasn't the case. As Florida State, on the other hand, Florida State was able to make adjustments at the half. Florida State looked like a different team coming into the second half, and so did you, but not for a good reason. Because, you know, your defense just simply couldn't get enough pressure on Jordan Travis, and when you did pressure Jordan Travis, Jordan Travis was just Superman and was able to escape it and make plays. Because your defense couldn't stop Keon Coleman and the rest of that Florida State wide receiver core. And look, credit to Florida State. Because I was concerned about this LSU secondary going into the season, and I thought if you can't get pressure on Jordan Travis, then your secondary is going to lose those one-on-ones. I don't know how many DBs in college football can stop Keon Coleman, to be completely honest with you. And maybe LSU gets completely exposed and that secondary gets completely exposed if and when there's a defense that's able to go one-on-one against Keon Coleman and win those battles. Maybe those guys exist. I don't know. But Keon Coleman is just an absolute dude. But Jordan Travis was just able to escape the pressure that you were able to get on him. Florida State's receivers were able to win those one-on-one battles. Florida State was able to sniff out your, you know, your run stuffing up the middle and completely stop you from being able to do it. Florida State was able to make those halftime adjustments, and you weren't. You got outcoached, you got out-toughed, and you got outplayed. You got outplayed. And it was a really sobering moment, a sobering night for all of us that had really high expectations for this team, rightfully so. It was a harrowing, sobering realization that maybe this team just didn't make the improvements in the offseason that we all expected that they would, that we were all told they were making, that maybe Just maybe, this team isn't as good as we expected them to be. Now look, Florida State, Florida State's a heck of a team now. And we expected them to be a good team. And we expected those receivers to be good. We expected Jordan Travis to be able to make plays with his legs. But I think we expected more from LSU. And maybe we shouldn't have expected that. You're just not, you were not the the better team. You were just not as good as the other team on Sunday night. And I think that's that's the hardest part for me is that if you were in a shootout with a really good team like Florida State and the clock just simply just did not fall your way and Florida State had the final possession and they were able to capitalize on it and you lose a, a, a by a narrow margin and you played your butts off and you saw a lot of really good things that you could build upon. That still stinks, and you're still 0-1. But I think it's a different feeling, and I think it's a different vibe. Last season, I think we could look at it and say, you know what, it's a new head coach. 
there's so much newness to this team. It's week one against a good team, and you made so many mistakes. You muffed two puns, you got blocked kicks, and you still only lost by one point. Yes, it was heartbreaking, and yes, it felt like it was just like the world was crumbling, but you could at least chalk it up to say, hey, you made a lot of mistakes, and this is early in the season. This year, you can't use that. This year, you can't use the excuse of, oh, well, this is a new coaching staff. A second-year head coaching staff, a second-year coaching staff, rather, should call a better game than that, should coach a better game than that. Brian Kelly should be a better tactician than what we saw last night on Sunday night. So I could at least, if it was a, a shootout of a game, and you simply just, just didn't fall your way, the luck just didn't fall your way. It would suck, and I would hate it, but I could live with it, and I could sleep at night knowing that, hey, my team played a really good game against a really good team, and I'm really encouraged by what I saw. What I can't live with is an absolute butt whooping, and that's what happened Sunday night. What I can't live with is the fact that LSU just looked so outmatched in the second half. I can live with a shootout. I can live with luck not falling your way. What I can't live with as an LSU fan and as somebody that expected so much more from this team is to just get blown out by a team that was simply better than you in a situation where nobody expected Florida State to be that much better than you, where everyone expected that much more from you. And it's a shame. And it sucks. And now LSU is in a position where they're 0-1, and I don't have a whole lot of confidence. But it's week one, and a lot can change, and we learned that last season. So what went wrong Sunday night? We'll get into that coming up next. Athletic Brewing is completely changing the non-alcoholic beer game. So Athletic Brewing makes non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good because sometimes if you've had non-alcoholic beers and non-alcoholic beverages it's like oh wow you're drinking what kind of tastes like a water with just a hint of something that resembles beer maybe a little bit that's not the deal with athletic brewing athletic brewing brews great tasting and award-winning non-alcoholic beers and I think one of my favorite things about it is that they brew several different styles of beer so whatever kind of beer you might like, whether it's IPAs or Goldens or Sours or so much more, Athletic Brewing has something to fit your taste. I just tried the lime seltzers and they are delicious. I'm one person that like if I'm cooking dinner or watching a movie late at night, I like to just have a fun a fun little beverage. But sometimes I can't always afford the hangover or the feeling the next morning. So Athletic Brewing has been the perfect alternative for me to be able to have that fun little beverage, but not have to pay for it the next day. With Athletic Brewing, no hangovers ever. And you can find Athletic Brewing in-store, online, and at bars around the country. You can find Athletic Brewing's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use the code Locked On one word, to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, college football season is here 
And this season, Lockdown is kicking up our coverage with Lockdown College Football Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Lockdown will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Lockdown College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Lockdown can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Lockdown College hosts covering their team every day. So find Lockdown College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on any Lockdown College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't just defeated, depressed, discouraged, all the D words. If I wasn't just upset, like like annoyed and frustrated. Frustrated, I think, is the biggest word for me after that game on Sunday night. I'm just tired of this team every offseason getting the benefit of the doubt and getting the love and all of the conversation being about how much better this team is going to be this year and how much improved this team is going to be this year and how high the expectations for this team are this year. And then they come out and they just lay a freaking egg against a good team. And it's, it's mistake after mistake, avoidable mistake after avoidable mistake, bad coaching, bad decisions, bad play calling, bad scheme, bad game plan. I'm just tired of it. And if you look at four regular season losses from Brian Kelly, let me throw out the Georgia game because Georgia was just that much. That's just how good of a team Georgia was. The SEC championship game at LSU didn't play terribly. They really didn't. The offense looked better than that game than they had, you know, in most weeks of the season. Special teams looked atrocious, which it did again on Sunday. Aaron Anderson muffed a punt, which is just like, PTSD on the next level. I don't know why it's so difficult for this team to freaking field a punt, but anyways, you know, excluding Georgia. Florida State lost last year. Tennessee lost last year. Texas A&M lost last year. And now Florida State lost this year. Four losses in the Brian Kelly era across two seasons. It wasn't just a loss. Like, it wasn't just... Man, you played well and you just came up short. All four of those games were embarrassing. Embarrassing beatdowns where you shot yourself in the foot or it was a bad game plan or special teams screwed you over. I mean, I could name a billion different examples from those four games where you got outplayed, outcoached, you made stupid decisions, you know, coaching-wise, Special teams looked atrocious. You couldn't get the ball moving. Your bread and butter wasn't working. Like, I just, it's so frustrating to me. It's so frustrating that it just, every time, every time, it's, you just get beat. And there's several things that I can look at from last night. One of the things that really stood out to me is where the heck was Harold Perkins? You know, I, I get it. And all offseason, I was I was kind of pumping up this Harold Perkins new position because I thought, okay, well, if he was that good in that role last year, how much better can he be in an elevated role? Well, Harold Perkins was a non-factor last night. And I can't put that on Harold Perkins. I put that on the coaching staff. And Brian Kelly said, well, you know, he's a young player who's playing a new position and he's going to have growing pains. Well, you're playing in a top 10 matchup. Can we maybe let Harold Perkins iron out all the wrinkles of this new position against Grambling? Can we maybe do that against a team that's not Florida State and is not the number 18 team in the country? 
can we maybe do that in a game that you feel pretty confident that you're going to win, whether Harold Perkins is a, fa a factor or not? Can we please just let Harold Perkins do what he is good at? In the four games that I just mentioned, Florida State last year, Tennessee last year, Texas A&M last year, and Florida State this year, three of those four games, Harold Perkins was a non-factor. He was on the sidelines against Florida State. He was on the sidelines against Tennessee. And you're putting him in an inside linebacker where he was a non-factor against Florida State. Can we maybe let your best player do what he is best at? Can we maybe stop trying to get cute and change things around and just let Harold Perkins get after the ball and get after the passer? We've seen him be able to completely wreck and change games. LSU single-handedly beat Arkansas because of Harold Perkins. Can we let him do what he is best at? Look, the, the defensive line, the defense overall just struggled to get off the field on third down. You let Florida State convert on a first and 25? Like, that's, that's embarrassing. A first and 25 and then a third and 14 in that same drive. And they convert. I mean... With a, with a quarterback like Jordan Travis, with a wide receiving core like this, let your best player, your best defensive player, your best player, just get to the quarterback. And, you know, it, it's football malpractice what that coaching staff did last night with Harold Perkins and did with Harold Perkins last year. Are we not seeing maybe a trend of when Harold Perkins is not doing what he does best, this team loses games? And it wasn't just Harold Perkins, but that was one thing that I noticed that I'm like, seriously, like, seriously, can't just let him loose, let him loose. And if you want to put him in an inside linebacker in the first half, see how it goes. Fine. I'm fine with that because that's what you want to do with Harold Perkins all offseason long is put him in at linebacker. But maybe in the second half, can we just maybe some make some adjustments? Just let him loose. Say, hey, Harold, look, we'll go back to this. We'll continue working on this position in practice. But for now, just just get to the quarterback. Just make tackles. I didn't see that. It's just puzz it's so it's puzzling to me. And look, I, it's easy for me to Monday morning quarterback. Like I, I get that. But I think that all of us watching at home last night were thinking, uh, hey, can we, we maybe like let Harold Perkins make some plays? Just uh, coaching malpractice is the only word that I can use. And really that chalks up to the third down defense. I mean, I, I mentioned it. But, I mean, the defense could not get off the field on third down. And you could really see it later in the first half and then in the second half, how gassed the defense was. And I don't blame them for being gassed because they couldn't get off the field. LSU was 3 of 10 on third down, Florida State 9-14. That might be one stat line. That's all you really need to know. That's all you really need to know is that Florida State could convert on third down and you couldn't. And it's that's offensive play calling, it's dropped passes, and it's also the defense not getting their job done on third down. And it's just... I'll continue with uh, more of some things that I didn't like, and we'll get into that coming up next. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. 
Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. I know a lot of y'all might be new to YouTube TV, so check it out. Check out NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube TV and do it with FanDuel's promotion. Now is the time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and so much more. There is so much to offer on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, thanks again for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. Getting into things that I didn't like about uh, LSU's loss to Florida State last night. And there is a lot that I didn't like. And I'm probably, I'm just skimming the surface of everything that I didn't like. Just, this is my, my diary, if you will, my journal. I'm just, you know, getting it all out there. Because I feel like you all felt the same way that I did. Just frustrated and defeated, disappointed, just disappointed and a coaching staff that should have been better, and a team that should have looked more polished, and a team that should have been more motivated, frankly. And I put that all on the coaching staff. I, I do. From the, the play calling to the way this team looked in the second half, there's no excuse for it. There is simply no excuse for it. But the way that Harold Perkins was used on Sunday night and third down defense were really my my defensive issues. The secondary was obviously very clearly a problem. Your secondary got cooked by Florida State's receivers. The reason why I'm not going to highlight that today, because it absolutely is a story of the game, but also that's something that we've all been concerned about all offseason long. It's something we talked about Brian's, that with Brian Smith last week on our, our preview for this game. And he said, if LSU loses this game, it's going to be because their secondary just simply couldn't keep up with Florida State's receivers. And he was correct. Your secondary couldn't keep up with Florida State's receivers. But I'm going to be intrigued to see as this, this season rolls on, which secondary in college football can stop those receivers. They're fast, they're big, and they've, got good hands, and they can come up with the 50-50 balls. I mean, that's a, that was a college football playoff kind of performance from those receivers last night. In the second half, in the first half, Florida State's receivers were dropping everything. I mean, it was like, oh, okay, like, whoa, are you going to, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> catch up a few balls here and there? Uh, but in the second half, they looked much better, and especially on third down and critical moments, Florida State's receivers were able to come up with, with the big plays. So I'll be intrigued to see – you know, how defenses play those receivers going throughout the rest of the season. Because, yeah, your secondary got cooked. I expect them to get cooked. I expect them to not look very good. Um, it doesn't make it any less of a concern. It doesn't make it any less of an issue for this defense. It doesn't make me any more encouraged for what the secondary can do throughout the rest of the season. But I think I knew, and maybe you knew, But I think a lot of us throughout the offseason had those concerns about how the secondary would look. And Sunday night simply confirmed that. The biggest concern to me was third down defense and the ability to get to the quarterback and the usage of Harold Perkins because I didn't expect those things. I expected more 
from the defense in those capacities. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. Secondary is still absolutely positively an issue, especially when you take on Mississippi State and the air raid in just a couple of weeks. And I know that this is kind of a a new, different-look air raid in the Zach Arnett era at Mississippi State, but still, they're going to throw the ball around the yard. And your secondary doesn't look like it's in in any shape to be winning those one-on-one battles. Offensively, what I did not like, the interior offensive line. Um, they, I mean, the pocket just caved in. They couldn't clear holes for the run game, specifically in the second half. Um, I mean, the pocket just collapsed in the inside. It's very clear where your strength is on the offensive line, and that's on the left side. That's Will Campbell's side. But on the interior and the right end of the offensive line doesn't give me a lot of encouragement. I expected this offensive line to be much improved. And while I do think it was improved from, you know, when we saw this unit against Florida State last year, there is a lot of improvement that needs to be made. And look, there were several instances where, you know, the the offensive line created a a great pocket for Jaden Daniels, where they were protecting really well. There were instances where Jaden Daniels had all the time in the world to throw, but he just couldn't make up, couldn't make the throws, or the receiver just couldn't come up with the catch. And that's not on the offensive line. That's either on Jaden Daniels or the receiver. And, you know, we can pick apart certain instances here and there, but overall, you know, I can't put that on the offensive line. Um, But those were more specific instances. And when I look at this game as a whole, the interior offensive line was a, a concern for me. The second thing, like I just mentioned, the drop passes. Kyron Lacey dropped just off the top of my head three balls. That would have been first downs. And let's just use our imaginations here. I mean, you know, he catches those balls. You move down the field. Let's say you're able to score on those opportunities. Well, maybe that's a much different game. And maybe you're feeling a lot more momentum. And maybe you're not letting Florida State score those garbage time touchdowns. And you've got yourself a ball game. But obviously, you know, it's that's revisionist history and we can talk about fairy tale land and what could have been all day long. But the important thing is here and the fact of the matter is he didn't catch those balls and he didn't get those first downs. And you weren't able to move the ball downfield as effectively as Florida State was using um, the passing game. So the, the drop passes have to improve. It cannot just be the Malik neighbor show every single week because defenses are going to catch up are going to catch on to that really easily and they'll just double and triple Malik neighbors and just hope that Brian, that Kyron Lacey or Brian Thomas might uh, might drop a ball here and there. I would have liked to have seen Mason Taylor get involved in the passing game a little bit more. Pulling up the stat sheet, um I don't think he had more than 3 or 4 targets. Um, let's see. Okay. He had four receptions for 39 yards. So I would have liked to see him get involved in the passing game a little bit more. Uh, he's a reliable target and he's a big body guy that can give you that yak ability. So I would have liked to have seen him involved more. That's a Mike Denbrock issue. Um, but overall, you know, Florida state's defense, they were just able to, you know, capitalize on the opportunities that you weren't able to. Florida State was able to sniff out the read options and stop what Jaden Daniels is best at. Florida State just, you know, Jordan Travis was able to make the throws and the wide receivers were able to come down with the catches. And in more instances than not, you weren't able to do that. You know, 
They got the best of you. Now, what comes next for this team? You know, you, you have no choice but to go back to the film room, figure out how this coaching staff can be better, figure out how you can call more opportune offensive plays, no more throwing balls short of the sticks on first or, you know, excuse me, second and 17, no more of that. But you got Grambling coming up this weekend. You know, you, if you still want to make a college football playoff, that's still alive. You got to win every other game on your schedule. Frankly, the way that LSU looked on Sunday night, I don't think that's in the realm of possibility. And that's the frustrating thing about playing a top 10 power five opponent in the first week of the season is it feels like your season's over after week one. And that's incredibly frustrating. And that's a schedule issue. That's another thing that's a bee in my bonnet. That is a totally different conversation for a totally different day is can we please for crying out loud, stop scheduling these kickoff classic games in week one. Like, can you please play a St. Teresa school of the blind week one, like every other team in the conference, please. That's all I ask, but that's a, that's a, that's a frustration for a different day and for a, a different set of ears. But look, it's one game. You got beat by a really freaking good team. Florida State, to me, last night looked like a college football playoff team. And maybe they ultimately, you know, that comes to fruition. And Florida State is a college football playoff team. And they go undefeated the rest of the season. And maybe this week doesn't feel as bad in week eight or week nine when Florida State's mopping the floor with every te- single team they play. Maybe that's the case. Or maybe... Florida State's a good team, and you're just not quite as good. And maybe, you know, your issues that we've been worried about all offseason long really end up being bigger issues than we all thought they would be. Maybe your offense just isn't as good as we expected it to be. Maybe this defensive front just isn't as explosive and is not much of a brick wall as we thought it would be. Maybe that's the case, but we'll see. It's week one. You got beat by a damn good team. You got out coached. You got out toughed, and that sucks, but you move on from it. So grambling this week, and I will have a full breakdown of that game later on in the week. But we'll continue the Florida State conversation throughout the rest of the week on Locked In LSU.